You are listening to the Greater Long Beach Church Podcast. We are a church of believers that exists to help people connect, change, and thrive in life. Bibles to Genesis. It's great to be together this morning to worship God. Um, I'm not going to do any flips or somersaults for you here uh, this morning, unfortunately. Um, I will get thrown, but I won't throw myself. Um, I think we need some help getting some seats here, so I want to ask if... Wow, we're kind of full right now. Um, We have some seats right here um, in the front, like in the third row or so. And we have some here on this side. So I know we have some, uh, some people here standing in the back. We have three seats over here. Okay, cool. So just come on in and grab a seat. Um, and this is a good problem that our church is having in terms of uh, finding seats for everybody to fit here. Um, I really see God moving in a great way as... Uh, he is opening doors to more and more people's hearts to make decisions to follow Christ. And uh, if you're here for the first time, we want to welcome you and want to thank you for joining us uh, today. And we are in the midst of a series called A Beautiful Design. And we're excited about this series. I'm excited about this series because uh, we're in a situation right now in our world where the definition of manhood and the definition of womanhood has been um, tainted and redefined, and we want to go back to God's original intent when he invented and created men and women. And we talked last week about how in the beginning God created us. We're created with, and when somebody, when something is created, it's created for a reason, for a purpose, with intent, with a design. And so when we try to live life our own way, we mess it all up. Because God never intended us to live the way that we usually choose to live. We saw also how, and because of God in the beginning creating us, we realize how small we are and that you and I are not the point. Remember that? We talked about that last week. And we said, you know, God is the point. You're not the point. I mean, you're awesome, but you're not that awesome. I'm awesome, but I'm not that awesome. And, and God... God is awesome. God gets all the glory. He, it was his idea to invent you and me, and therefore, why not live within his design? We saw also how we are made, we are created in God's image. And we talked about this idea of the imago Dei. That's what the, uh, the theologians use this term, the imago Dei, and, how, and it means made in the image of God. And how almost every aspect of life in our society and the world is affected by a lack of applying this doctrine of the imago Dei, where, where we understand man and woman is created in his image. In other words, you and I have been elevated... Uh, have an elevated worth no matter what. Like, like to God, we are, we are more important than your pet dog. What? Yes. We have an elevated worth in God's eyes. And, uh, when we think about all the issues that happen in our world in terms of, uh, racism, discrimination, prejudice, uh, poverty, um, Pornography, all, all these different things, it's an imago day issue. It's an, it's, a, it's an area where we don't apply or are not understanding uh, that we are created in the image of God. And so um, with the misunderstanding of the imago day, there's a systemic suffering at every level of society. Um, and so we're, we're diving into this conversation. Uh, because I mentioned last week, you know, my kids are growing up in a generation where um, you know, men and women and identity is just very confusing. Um, and messages, mixed messages are being sent. And so how do I navigate that as a father, um, but also just as a man? How do I embrace who God created me to be? I've got to go back to the original design. Amen, church? 
And so today what we're going to do is we're going to dive into God's intent for men. So brothers, are you with me here? Men. There is a difference between being male and being a man. My one-year-old son is male, biologically, but it doesn't make him a man. You with me here? Um, now, let me talk to the women real quick. It's important for you to stay engaged in this lesson. may not be applicable to you, uh, but it's important you stay engaged in this lesson because you, sisters, are a part of God's design to understand His intent for man so that you can encourage and expect us to live out God's purpose for us. You see, where you set the bar, men will meet it. If you set the bar, women, if you set the bar too low, you will find boys who can shave all the time. Or as we talked about earlier in this, or last year, we did a series called Authentic Manhood. And they talked about the term extended adolescence which is an epidemic in our world today, this idea of extended adolescence. Men in their 20s and 30s with no direction, no, uh, no ambition in life, getting women pregnant but not being fathers, all that kind of stuff. So single sisters, let me tell you something. Set the bar high. Because when you set the bar high, those boys will go to maturity school. And they will become men to try to win you over. Set the bar high. You set it too low, they'll meet you right there. Sisters, are you with me here? Expect, expect and encourage these areas that we're going to be talking about today. So women, stay with me as we talk about this. All right, bros, here we go. Genesis chapter 2. I want to start off, you know, we, we, again, last year in our church, we, we um, went through this incredible series called Authentic Manhood, and uh, we went through six weeks of videos, presentations, and discussions, cross-age uh, people. I was in, a, in, in groups with college students and single uh, adults and married men, and we just kind of talked through our lives. And, and so some of the thoughts that I'm going to present today come from what we learned there, and I think it's, it's going to be cool because the, the, the sisters can kind of hear a little bit of what we learned um, and are learning, and uh, there are plenty of men here today who are not at that series, so you know you guys can uh, join us in it um, as we talk about it. Um, but what I want to do is... Before we start off, so I have a clip that I want to show uh, before we start diving into God's Word. And um, it's a video uh, from one of, one of the videos that we watched together in this series last year, uh, talking about uh, historical events that have led to the state of manhood and where we're at today. So let's go ahead and watch this quick video, and then I'll, uh, we'll get into God's Word.
read your word. And um, Father, thank you so much just for um, allowing us to see sort of through history how uh, different events and just how the fallenness of man has created a crisis in manhood today. I pray as we look at your original intent for men that we would engage with it, dive into it, and live it out in our lives. Uh, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity, and I uh, pray for a great, great time as we leave here today making decisions uh, to grow, to be the men that you've designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a lot of stuff in that one clip that I hope, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, the way my brain functions is I work well when it comes to historical context. Give me, uh, in order for me to make decisions sometimes, I need context around a situation in order to move forward. And so that's, I, that's why sometimes I can process things a little, a little slower than uh, maybe somebody else who can just kind of make decisions like that. Um, I need sort of background, give me... Um, information before making a decision. That's how my brain works. And so I love that clip because I feel like where I'm at today, and even as I'm raising a son at this point, what he's growing up into, that that video clip helps helps me gain a broader perspective. And obviously it's very general, but it's a broader perspective and understanding sort of the tension and the crisis of men in our generation uh, today. And so I hope what it does for you is it, as well, and I hope for, for our sisters here, it helps you understand a little bit uh, sort of the, the, the tension that is there for many men uh, that are trying to figure out what, what God is it's calling us to be uh, and do in our lives. In Genesis uh, chapter 2, we're going to read this here. I want to show this uh, real quick quote says, where men fill the purpose and design of men as the Bible has outlined it, humanity flourishes. And where men refuse to step into that space that men are called to fill, the world burns. I believe this to be very true, even if you study the secular world and study economics and sociological issues and political... I mean, where men cease to fulfill their original purpose as designed by God... The world crumbles. And you can see this in every facet of life. Genesis 2, let's turn our Bibles here. Chapter, uh, chapter 2 in Genesis, verse 5. If you don't have a Bible, hopefully you're close to somebody who can, you can share a Bible with. If you're new to our church and you don't have a Bible, we have uh, uh, free Bibles for you. If you stop by our connection table here after church, you can get one. And just start reading this stuff on your own, which is what we always want to encourage uh, everybody that comes to church is to go home and read this stuff on your own. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man. From the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. We see early on how God created this garden, this this garden of Eden. And and he commands the man with a task. He says, I want you to work it and I want you to keep it. In other words, the man was uh, created to cultivate and to work. This is why lazy men are so damaging to human flourishing. Because we haven't been designed or wired to be lazy. We haven't been designed to master hobbies. Men have been designed to work and keep. To protect, to serve, to work and keep the garden. Are you guys with me on this? 
Spurgeon, famous preacher, once said, Some occupation is necessary to happiness. Lazy people would not enjoy even Eden itself. A perfect man is a working man. Now, let me talk to some of the married guys here. That doesn't mean that you need to be the primary breadwinner in the home. That's not the issue. That's a secondary. That's not even the issue. But we are tasked by God to work and to do something. A lazy man or a man who is unwilling to pursue work is not living out God's original design. Are you guys with me here? Brothers, are you guys with me here? Yeah. All right, bros. Let's, let's get into this a little bit here. Um, God, we were designed by God. Another authentic manhood term is to create and cultivate. We were designed by God to create and to cultivate, to lead in areas and provide direction and protection in the home and in the church and in the community. When men don't lead, chaos follows. Men are purposed to solve problems, but instead, because of the fall of Adam, men are more known to create problems. Consider the disorder and the confusion that occurs in a home when a father abandons his responsibility to raise his children. Consider all the broken or unhappy marriages because of men's unwillingness to emotionally engage with their wives and present her as a radiant bride, holy and blameless before the Lord. This is a huge issue. In our world, and this is what we have design, been designed to be. Even if you married into a lot of money, maybe your wife has a lot of money just from inheritance. Even if you married into money, it doesn't mean that you get to sit around all day playing video games. God designed you to work, to do something, to provide, to protect, to serve. Now, Another word for this kind of leadership, we can say, is, is, is uh, we can call it headship. Providing uh, a unique leadership in the home and in the community that leads to human flourishing. Okay, so, so headship and leadership, we're going to go back and forth on it. I say that just because we know a lot of women who are actually good leaders. So, you know, leadership can also be used for women as well. So headship, though... This idea that God has given the responsibility to men to work and to keep the garden. To fall, to, to roll like Wong did, and to sacrifice so that the girl can go free. I mean, this, this is the wiring that God has, give, has, has given to men. I read a book a couple years ago, maybe last year, called Men of Courage by Dr. Larry Crabb. And I actually... Uh, handed out to some of the brothers here, and we had some discussions on it and stuff. And and uh, one of the things he talks about is that men, um, because of Adam's fall, which we're going to get into in a couple minutes, um, because of Adam's fall, men tend to be afraid of uh, chaos. Okay, so chaos, though, for men, has to do with relationship. Let me follow me here on this. Um, men would rather go to work, many men would rather go to work or go do a hobby than to walk into the home and engage with their child because they don't know what to do. Or to engage with their wife because they don't know what to do. When the wife is, is, is feeling all these things and wants to talk about all these things and the man is just sitting there like, I, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what to say. But the football game's on. Can we do that and make everybody happy? Do you see what I'm saying? And so, or, or, or let me go, uh, I need to go and, you know, work on my whatever hobby it is. In other words, men would rather do that than to enter the chaos that emotional relationships are. Even friendship. Men are afraid of friendship because it requires an engagement. It requires a vulnerability. When men don't lead, chaos follows. You know, a lot of this leadership, I want to talk a little bit specifically to, the, to, to men in the, in the stage of marriage and family. 
um, because this leadership, this headship, as we'll continue reading about, it, it actually really comes out uh, primarily in areas of the home. And I remember leading youth ministry, and I saw this happen a lot. Um, uh, we were leading the youth ministry for many years, and we'd have these events called Youth Ministry Nights, and we'd bring all the preteens and junior high and high school teens together and all their parents. And it was amazing to me how many fathers chose not to attend. It was always the moms bringing the teens to get spiritual engagement and connection. And the dads, even though they were Christian men, would decide to stay home with either the smaller child or just not come because they were just too tired from their days of work. See, God didn't... God gave the man the direction to provide leadership and headship in the home. Brothers, the spiritual climate of your home does not fall on me or the youth ministry or the children's ministry or your small group. We are asked to equip you, but you will stand before God and give account as to how you led your family spiritually. This leadership is played out in the home. This leadership, this headship is also played out in the church. You know, 1 Timothy describes the qualifications of an overseer. It says that this overseer, it's a noble task, the one who, is, who wants to become an overseer. And we see this type of, uh, the, the type of men who are to oversee the church. If they are unable to manage their own home, how can they manage the church family? And so the home life had a lot to do with the church life. You guys with me here? Now, how does this apply to single men? Can I talk to singles real quick? Singles, singles be like, well, I don't have a wife. I don't have a family. Well, here's how you can view this. Technically, just because you're a male, it doesn't necessarily mean you have an intrinsic authority over women in the body of Christ, unless they're your daughter. But you are to practice this type of leadership and headship by protecting and serving other women in the church as sisters in Christ, looking out for them. Um, protecting them, encouraging them, taking them out on dates. Single men, single men who have the calling and the gift of singleness will use the gift and, and want to use that gift to serve the Lord and advance the kingdom. I say praise God for you. And there are men who are like this. Men who have, I mean, the Apostle Paul was like this. I have the gift of singleness. I'm going to spend myself for the sake and the cause of the kingdom. Right? And so Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians 7. That's what, I'm, I, wish, I wish you were all like me, but you're not. So, therefore, I encourage you to marry. Right? That's, that's the, what he writes in 1 Corinthians 7. But there are men who have this gift and this calling. And I say, go for it. Praise God, serve the Lord. But in many occasions, a lot of men don't have that gift and that calling. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> and so another way to practice this leadership, this headship, is that single men should be pursuing godly women and building friendship, building friendship in the hopes that it would lead to marriage and they would partner together to advance the gospel and raise a godly home. Now, it's not the only way to have impact, but God is pretty clear that leadership or headship was practiced in the home. Now, manhood is not about being a natural-born leader. It's about having the courage to do it. You guys with me here on this? Now, let me make a little note here. I want to talk to the single moms and the widows in our congregation. I want to say this, and I heard this preacher say this, and I love this statement. Single moms, listen up. Where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Abounds. Throughout the Bible, we see so many accounts of moms praying for their children and asking God to save their children. And you know what? God listens to the prayers of mamas. 
Many men that I know with godly character come from homes where the father was missing or lacking in spiritual leadership or comes from a single-parent home, and, there, and, and yet by God's grace, that man was, those men were saved. By God's grace, they've been trained and are being trained, and by God's grace, they stumble forward doing their best to live out their original design without having a male role model. Are you guys with me here on this? So I say to you again just to encourage you, where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Can I get an amen on that one, church? God's original design is for men to work and take care of the garden and take responsibility over His creation. But what happens with Adam? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called a man and said, where are you? He answered, well, I heard you were in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Chaos. He didn't want to enter the chaos of that relationship. And so, but what we see here, what we see here is Adam's failure to live out God's design for him to lead courageously and to protect and take care of the garden. And so because of this, there was shame, I'm afraid, an alienation, a distance. I mean, these guys were walking around naked in the garden with God. If it wasn't for Adam's failure to lead, we'd be coming to church naked. But do you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is... This is the fall of man. Come back, come back, come back, come back. This is the fall of man. The fall of man has led to this shame, this covering, this, this blame shifting. And so it's interesting what Adam does as God questions Adam. And notice, God doesn't question Eve. God questions Adam. Who told you? Where, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? He doesn't, he doesn't ask Eve that. He gets to Eve a little bit later, and we'll talk about that next week. He, 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 get, he, he talks to Eve later, but he goes to Adam first. Oh, well, this woman. And so Adam, what does Adam do? He blames Eve, but also in a subtle way, he blames God. This woman that you gave me. Adam is completely unwilling to accept responsibility. He's, in fact, in a subtle way, blaming God. God, it was your idea. I don't know. I mean, she just came out, and all of a sudden, she's here. Like, I didn't want, I didn't want her. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is Adam. Silent. Passive. And the Proverbs talks about that, right? Like an ox to the slaughter. So a woman entices the man. Uh, fruit? Well, you're really pretty. Sure, I'll have that fruit. You know what I mean? Like, like an ox to the slaughter. And so we see God's punishment. Verse 17, chapter 3. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Because you stood there and didn't engage your wife, and you were silent, and you were passive, because of that, and you listened to her and you didn't lead her, because it was your responsibility to provide protection and leadership for her at that one moment, but you just stood there. Because of this, 
All of this that you have, you're going to have to work for it now. Because think about it. Before the fall, everything was provided. He had to protect it. He had to serve it. He had to make sure it was working in order. But it was all given. And this is probably the largest hurdle we have as men, this selfish passivity. Instead of engaging and entering the chaos, protecting, protecting and courageously leading, creating and cultivating, we stand and watch. We sit or we sit and watch TV or get engrossed in video games and fantasy land and don't engage in the reality of our home or the work God has given us. And then our wives end up filling the gap. And women are resilient and they're strong and survival. They'll go into survival mode. And they'll make things work, making things happen while you sit there watching the game. There are two typical ways that this passivity manifests itself in our lives as men. We talked about this last year in Authentic Manhood. This is a reminder for some of the brothers here. The way of the fruit. The way of the fruit is any path that appeals to the senses. Making decisions based on what feels right in the moment. Choosing our own way over God's will. Men who choose the way of the fruit become childish consumers. They become totally obsessed with cheap thrills and live in a fantasy land. And this is what pornography is or video games or media consumption. This choice leads to aggression by so many men. The choice of the fruit. I'm going to get angry. Anger, tantrum, sarcasm. Controlling or manipulating other people to get what you want. This, this is the way of the fruit. Whatever feels good, that's what I'm going to do. I have a right to be happy. God wants me to be happy. You know, God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to work and protect and serve and live for a mission bigger than yourself. The other way is the way of the fig leaf. Those who try to cover themselves with good behavior and try to perform their way into God's favor. Men who choose the way of the fig leaves become cowards and critics. They take pride in what they don't do and would rather criticize than create. This leads to pride and arrogance and unwillingness to take responsibility, making excuses for not fulfilling tasks, laziness at work or in service to others, unwilling to engage in conflict and relationships, criticizing but not being willing to be part of the solution, or being silent when words are needed. When your wife needs the encouragement, when your friend needs to be confronted, and just being silent. So what are we to do with all this? Well... God saw that we messed it up so bad, and because of Adam's fall, man was destined to failure. So he said, you know what, I'm going to enter the fray. I'm going to show them what manhood looks like. And he sends Jesus as a perfect example of manhood in his original intent. Romans 5, Paul talks about this. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass or as one sin resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. And Paul, Paul takes the comparison between the first Adam and the second Adam, Jesus. He says the first Adam, death, Sin, everything came through the first Adam. But through one righteous act, by this perfect man, we can all be made righteous. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. I want to show, just for maybe our younger crowd here, I found a little clip from uh, Grammy Award winning artist Lecrae. I like Lecrae. He's got some good stuff. But it's a little clip about him talking about biblical manhood. Let's watch this real quick. In a biblical manhood is understanding 
God has designed the blueprint for manhood. And so you're not a, you're not operating in masculinity or manhood if you're just doing what society and culture tell you to do. You're not really operating in true masculinity or true manhood unless you're doing what God calls manhood, what God calls masculinity. And um, I think Jesus is a perfect picture of, of authentic biblical masculinity. Jesus, um, you know, he was selfless. You know, he was willing to sacrifice himself for others um, and for the woman he loved, the church. Um, so a man should be willing to sacrifice himself and um, especially for his wife, his bride. Um, you know, Jesus was, uh, he, he, he walked in authority and he respected authority. And so um, he lived to do the will of his father. Um, and, but he did not, you know, passively, um, you know, walk through life without saying, no, 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 I'm responsible here. Like, I have an authoritative mission here and I'm responsible. And so uh, he embraced his responsibility. Whereas you see Adam in, in scripture saying, uh, God, the woman you gave me, she didn't, you know, um, you know, him, him being passive, and we've seen that a lot in our families that men come home and they, they're passive. They just want to sit down and watch TV. Woman, you take care of all this stuff. I um, don't know what's going on with the kids. And, um, and Jesus embraced that responsibility to the point of taking upon himself um, others' sin. You know, it wasn't his fault that, um, you know, we were, uh, we sinned against God in certain terms on him. It wasn't his fault, you know, but he still took that upon his own back. Uh, and that's, that's masculinity, that's manhood. That's uh, a great picture of being a manhood. It's being responsible, um, not being passive. Definitely being selfless. I think those are some key pictures of the masculinity. Some people say, as long as you provide for your family, that's it. And, uh, you know, any mammal does that. Any animal takes care of his own, provides food, birds provide food, whether it's little chickens or whatever. So, um, gotta be more to it. That's good. I appreciate what he's saying there in terms of even God, even Jesus uh, being one of authority, but also respecting authority, doing the work the Father had given him. So here's a clear vision of God's design for manhood that we've talked about in our manhood series before, where Jesus is the prime example. You guys ready? Let's write this down. Bros, bros. Let's write this down, bros. Reject passivity. Jesus, in Philippians 2, says that he entered, he left his heavenly realm and entered the world. He didn't just stand by and watch as we continued to mess up God's plan. He engaged. And real men engage in the chaos of relationships and don't escape to work or hobbies. Men need to set the spiritual tone of your home. Men accept responsibility. Jesus accepted responsibility for a will to obey. God gave him a work to do and he obeyed and did that work. He accepted the responsibility. God gave him a woman to love, his bride, the church, and he laid down. He took responsibility. He respected God's will and authority in his life and he did his will. He did the work he was taxed to do. And he also laid down his life for his bride, the church. He didn't punt on his responsibility. He took it seriously and entered the fray to do what God asked him to do. Men need to accept responsibility. Lead courageously. Adam failed to lead in the garden. Jesus led by providing direction for others. He told his disciples, come, follow me. He led by providing protection for others by saying, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Actively leading people away from harm is the task of courageous leadership. Always being others-centered. A boy is selfish and concerned with how things will affect him alone. A man is always thinking of others and how to serve others, first in the home and then beyond that home in the church and in the community. Taking a stand for righteousness, taking a stand for absolute purity, taking a stand for the oppressed, to protect the oppressed and the helpless in our world. Lead courageously. 
men invest eternally. Adam invested in the temporary. Jesus invested in the eternal. In Matthew 6, he talks about having treasures laid up in heaven and not on earth. Men need a mission larger than themselves. Something that means something. Something to to leave a legacy. Men need to spend themselves for a cause. That's why we see so many men joining the military. They want to spend themselves for a cause and for relationship. And what greater cause than that which Jesus himself invested in the souls of mankind and the advancement of his kingdom. These are areas that are so challenging as a man and we fall so many times. It is impossible to live this out without a relationship with God and the power of his spirit. I fail at this all the time. It is a constant decision. To engage with my wife. I love my wife, but it's a constant decision to engage emotionally with my wife and with my children. I get grumpy. I get tired. I get irritated, especially in this heat. Just leave me alone. Don't touch me. In conflict, I quickly shut down with my wife and I don't want to engage. Sometimes I feel like I don't have the energy to be a fun dad and I feel guilty about that. Or to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Sometimes I don't want to lead courageously because that means I may lose some friends along the way or people may not like me and that hits a nerve in my people-pleasing nature. It's easier to blame other people or other circumstances than to accept responsibility myself. Passivity is so much easier. Sin is so much easier. But then I look at my son. I look at my daughters. What am I trying to pass on to them? What kind of man do I want my son to become? Listen, I need... Jesus. I don't know about how you feel after I talked about these four things. I need Jesus if I'm going to do that. I need God's grace. I need his forgiveness. Apart from God, I cannot be the man he has designed me to be because sin can master me. I need other men battling with me for the sake of our homes and the souls of other men. Paul says in Romans 7, we'll close out here, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Brothers, can you feel me on that? For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thank you, Lord. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Brothers, I don't want to overwhelm you today. I want to inspire you today. This is who God has designed you to be. Reject passivity. Accept responsibility. Lead courageously. Invest eternally. To do all that, you need Jesus. Wives, encourage your husbands this week. Pray for them this week. The direction and the weight of our homes that has been given to us by God is a lot. And what you can do, wife, is pray for us. Pray for us to lead, to engage. Single sisters, you know what you can do? You can encourage your brothers in the Lord. But you can also expect this from them. Set the bar high. You want men who are pursuing God's design for manhood, not this extended adolescent stuff. Brothers, let's be humble to the fact that we cannot do this without God, without other men in our lives to help us live out God's design for manhood. We live in a fallen world, but if we get this, If we start doing it God's way, we could change a generation. Sin alienates us from God, but there is a plan. The Scripture says that to find our Savior from this wilderness, to find our Savior from this sin, we have to look to another garden in the Bible. We have to look to another encounter between a man and Satan, the man, the second Adam, Jesus Christ. At the end of his perfect life, his life of living in perfect manhood, perfect headship, perfect leadership, perfect love and submission and care and protection and service, we find Jesus in another garden, in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
with sweat dropping off his brow. He's resisting Satan. He's looking ahead to another tree and he's entrusting his will to God in a way Adam didn't and you and I haven't. He's preparing to make all things right so that humanity in our entire world can be rescued from the sin that has devastated it and be restored in a right relationship with God and be restored in our manhood. So guys, get help. Get some accountability. Get open. Look to, look to older men ahead of you, a stage ahead of you in life, and imitate them. Ask questions. Students, develop relationships with older men. Older men, take an interest in some of the young men in our student ministry or young singles ministry. Let's strive together to live out God's design for manhood by looking to Jesus as our example. We're going to talk about women next week. So come back. I'm going to have Marina with me on that one, so that'll be, a little, that'll be a lot of fun. Let's pray, and we'll stand and sing a song. God, help us to live out your design for manhood. Help us to be the men that you want us to be, rejecting passivity, leading courageously, accepting responsibility, investing eternally. Father, help us to not choose the way of the fruit or the fig leaf, to not stand by and be passive, but to engage. Father, I pray for our single men college students, teenagers, single men, I pray for our men to pursue godly biblical manhood, to not, to not invest in extended adolescence, but to grow up. Father, I pray for our married men who are engaging in the home. Father, I pray for the patience. I pray for energy. I pray for creativity. I pray for spirituality that we may set the tone in our homes. Father, I pray for our single parents. Help our single parents to see that when the ideal is lacking, your grace abounds. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing a song. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.greaterlongbeachchurch.com.